Hey, uh, to, today I just uh, want to remind you, here's where we're going, we're going with this I, into our series, second sermon, uh, it's a little I, not a big I, the world tells you, you know, hey, it's all about me, it's not about us, and uh, you know, I like this about how we, uh, we enter our service, we begin our service with worship, and worshiping something, somebody bigger than us, it reminds us that, we even close our services always that way, with, with songs that remind us that there's somebody else up there. There's somebody else, and it's bigger than us. Because if we're not careful, we come to church, and church is all about us. I mean, it's about our needs. It's about our struggles. You know, somebody asks you how you're doing, and you start telling them, right? You know, or, you know and you need prayer. I, 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 don't, I don't want you to misunderstand. You know, just about every service, Jamie reminds you, we've got prayer team members ready to pray with you for your needs. So we want to pray with you over your needs. But if we're not careful, the whole thing will become about us. And it's not about us. It's not the big eye. It's the little eye. Would you do me a favor and turn to somebody close to you and say, it's not about you. And if they get offended, tell them, hey, pastor told me to say that. Okay? You didn't, they didn't say that. A pastor did. And, and, and let me explain it to you this way again, in case you weren't here last week or when I've said this before, is that, you know, and, you know until you got saved, until you knew Jesus Christ, it was all about you. I mean, Jesus' death on the cross, the blood he shed, church you know, the ministry and the work we do around here at 2911 and every single church up and down this road and in our communities, it was all about you. But once you became a Christian, your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life and your eternity was secured. Once you became a Christian and that happened, it's no longer about you anymore. It's about you letting God use you to reach somebody else. So it's no longer about us. That's why it's a little I, the I series, it's a little I. Last week we talked about tithing, this week we're going to talk about giving. And it's not probably exactly what you're thinking, okay? Last week was I belong, this week is I give. We're going to talk about something. And let me say this before we uh, go, into, uh, go into prayer. Have a word of prayer and we'll come back into this message. And uh, Mike, go ahead and give me the, the, the statement on Thanksgiving before we pray. Is, uh, I've said this every single uh, Thanksgiving month, November, uh, ever, since, uh, ever since we've been here, is uh, the true measure of Thanksgiving is how you handle the gift. And let's go ahead and make that plural. The gifts that you receive. You know, in six weeks, do you guys know what six weeks from today is? Do you believe that? It's six weeks from today. We're all going to be receiving gifts, right? And some of you guys, you know, you're going to get a big, beautiful package that you're going to unwrap from your grandmother, and it's going to be, it's going to be underwear, you know, and you just, you know, you just hope it's not whitey tidies, you know, and, uh, you know, just, and you're going to take them out to your car, and you're going to open the trunk, you're going to throw them in, and you're going to forget all about them, and uh, you just pray that you don't forget that one night when you're on a date, and you have a flat, and you got to open the trunk, and you, there they are right there in front of your date, and you got to explain, you know, but you're going to, you know, until, they're going to sit in your, in your trunk until you just think about getting rid of them or whatever, you know, and so what really you're saying is, you're not really thankful for that gift. Your true measure of thanksgiving is how you handle the gifts you receive. And if you use them in the way that they were intended by the giver, whoever gave them to you, if you use them in the way that they were intended. You know, when you receive something, and you don't, you don't just put on the smile because your mom told you to smile when you opened the gift from your grandparents, but you, you really truly are thankful and you, and you say that, and then you use it in that way. That's what thanksgiving really is. So, th- so remember that this season of Thanksgiving. And this, uh, this Wednesday night, we've got something special. Let me say this just before we pray. I've got to make a little announcement here. I was asked to make an announcement. This is a good, way, a good place to make it since I was talking about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a week from Thursday. So this Wednesday night, we're doing something different 
we, we do this, the past two years we've done this on, on Wednesday night, uh, just before Thanksgiving, a week before Thanksgiving, is uh, we're not doing our regular services, uh, youth service, kids' classes, uh, adult small groups. We're not doing any of that. This Wednesday night, we're all coming together right here to do our church-wide family Thanksgiving meal together. And we want you to be here. Look, because we do two services, you don't get to meet everybody in the church because we do small groups in various locations. You don't get to meet everybody around. And so this is, this is the one big time that we all get together. And so re- let me really encourage you to come. There's a sign-up sheet back there. And uh, uh, Kristen told me before church she wished she'd have put an, uh, an extra one because that one's kind of full. And you, might, you know, might not be able to find something that you know how to cook. And, and so it's okay for you to write, you know, if you just want to add something down there. But please don't add five more lines of beans. I think we got plenty of green beans back there. I was noticing earlier. But, you know, if you've got something that you want to bring. And listen, let me tell you something. An extra dessert is all. Always in, in, in order. Somebody say amen. You know, when extra dessert is always in order. And again, let me say this also. If you're like, for some, something like, if you're a single mom and uh, you're running just to try to get here and there's just no way you can even go by Walmart and pick up something already baked, hey, just show up, okay? It's not really about the food. The food is just an excuse, something to make us sit around long enough to talk to one another and to share some fellowship. It's not about the food. It's about you. We want you here. So please be here. And you know what? If everybody comes, it'll, it might be a little crowded in here with tables and food and all that. But if you got the right attitude, you won't come in and say, man, it's crowded. You'll come in and say, man, it's crowded. And so I'm, I'm hoping it's crowded this Wednesday night and we get a time to spend together and uh, just, uh, just a little bit of Thanksgiving time. So let's, let's have a word of prayer and get into our message when I give. Father, I love you. Thank you, God, that you've given me such an awesome church to not just belong to, God, but you've given me a calling, God, to be here to do something. To, God, you've given me uh, a ministry to fulfill, Lord. Uh, you, you know, not just the seat that I get to sit in on a Sunday morning, but the ministry that I get to fulfill. And, and you put this on my heart, God, and you put it on the heart of, of so many seated here with me right now. God, I thank you for that. And because I belong, there's some things I do. But God, take us a little farther in this today to see that there are some things that I, I should also have a heart to do. And I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you bless us, challenge us. And everybody said... Amen. Okay, I give. Okay, so we're going to talk about giving this morning. And giving, uh, here's the word I want to use when I'm talking about I give. I want to use this word. It is generosity. Okay, it's all about generosity. And let's begin with the definition. I know you know what generosity means, but there's some things in here that maybe you've not thought about. It is a readiness in giving or sharing. Readiness in giving or readiness in sharing. It means that when you see a need, you are ready. You don't have to go home. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to, you know, ponder it for a little while. I mean, you know, you don't, uh, you see uh, a, a, a lady broke down on the side of the road with, with four little kids. I mean, you don't drive for 10 miles and say, I probably need to go back. It's a readiness in giving, a readiness in sharing. And you know what happens when we all have a real attitude about sharing, a great attitude about sharing, is that we're all intersharing. You know, we're sharing with this and this and this one. Like this past week. Sister Mary Driver, who normally comes first service, she was here this morning, she called to, to want to share some turnip greens with me and Deva. Uh, two problems. I don't like them, and Deva don't cook them. She likes them, but she doesn't cook them. So, uh, you know, but, so she wanted to share those. And if she ends up sharing those turnip greens with us this week, I will be more than happy to share them with you also. You know, That's not really what being ready to share is really all about. Being ready to share is seeing a need and immediately just wanting to. It's like that excitement of sharing. Okay. Also, it is unselfishness. Generosity is unselfishness. It means that it's not about big eye. It's about little eye. It's about being unselfish. It is about being able to put aside what it is that you need 
to do something else for someone else. You know, it's about like, you know, I know you, you've been saving money to, to buy something, and then all of a sudden you see a need and say, you know, I could take some of that money and, and, and I could help with that. Or, you know, it's not always just about money. There's some other things like that. That's, that's what it means, though. It's, a, it's an unselfishness. It's a willingness to set aside your own desires, wants, needs, and wishes so that you can bless somebody else. And then this third thing down here, the fertility or prolificness. I had never thought of that. I, I, I guess I'd never read that far if I'd ever looked up the, the definition of generous or generosity. But a fertility, which means to, to, be, you know, to have the ability to reproduce. That's what... <clears throat> to be prolific, that's what that means as well. It's like a production, being able to produce something. And so we're going to come back to that. So I just wanted to set that up right now, but at the very end of this message, that's where really what we're going to end with, is I want you, is I want you to think about that, is it is a, an ability to, uh, to reproduce, okay? So, but first of all, let me kind of set this whole thing up about what generosity is really with, with a scripture. And this is, uh, uh, says that for everyone to whom much is given for him, much will be required, and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Okay, I've heard a lot of people use this scripture, and they talk about it, and they think, of, they think about it in terms of tithes. And this is not about tithing, okay? But some people say, well, this is what it means, is if God gives you this much, then that means, you know, you owe this much in tithes. If God gives you this much, you owe this much in tithes. That's what it's saying. No, that's not what it's saying at all. If you look at the context of it, and I've got so many scriptures to read today, I, I didn't have time to, to, to read enough context, so I've got to explain some of the context to you. If you look at the context of it, it's not talking about tithing. Okay, last week we talked a little bit about tithing. I mean, talking about I belong is some of the stuff we do because we have to be obedient. I mean, I belong here, and so I have to be obedient to what God has called us to do. It's church 2911. Uh, because I belong as a Christian in the family of God, there's some things I have to do to be obedient to be in the family of God. Malachi chapter 3 is just one of those scriptures that talk about the tithe. That is an obedience thing. What we're talking about today is beyond the level of obedience. It's about being in, in this spirit, this attitude of giving. It goes beyond that. And it's saying, to whom much is given, God's saying, I'm going to require a lot too. It's not saying to whom much is given, I'm going to require a little bit more. No, he said, to whom much is given, much will be required. What this, this scripture is talking about is this is God's expectation for our attitude. Because this scripture isn't even talking just about money. If you look at the context of it, it is talking about an attitude. It is talking about the things that surround us. It's talking about a way we live our life. This, this scripture is talking about God's expectation of our attitude is that if he fills our life with blessings, not just financial, but if he blesses us tremendously, then he expects more out of us because of that. Meaning that if he gives you a whole lot of turnip greens, he's expecting you to share with a whole lot more people. You know, my father-in-law, he was one of those. I mean, I, I mean when, he, when he planted his garden, I mean, he planted a garden way too big for just him and his wife, you know, after all the kids were out of the house. And you know why? It's because he wanted enough to share. And he would share and he would try, and, and sometimes, that's what Sister Mary told, told me this morning. She said that the man that gave her the turnip greens, he, he, she said he loaded up her trunk. And she, she says, there's no way I can eat all these turnip greens. And he said, well, take them and share with somebody else. That's, that's the heart of God. What God wants to do is he wants to give you so much so that you can share with others. And it is his expectation that when he blesses you, that you are in turn going to bless others. So to whom much is given, his expectation is you're going to have an attitude. Here's the thing. Generosity is an attitude. It is an attitude. It is not something that, you know, it's not a checkoff list, a to-do list that, okay, I was generous today. I'm glad I don't have to be generous the rest of the week. You know? Okay, just a little confession here my pastor this morning. A couple of Saturdays ago, I, 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 was, a little late to, uh, I was a little late to small group. 
uh, on my way to small group, but you know, just about eight o'clock, a couple minutes before, down to headed down to Jack's. Uh, yeah, there is an eight a.m. on Saturday morning for those of you who don't know that. Uh, on my way down there, and, and and I saw this older gentleman. He was he was kind of hobbling across the street. He was carrying a gas can. There was a there was a car sitting, an older car sitting over there. Obviously, he had run out of gas. He had the gas, so he didn't need me to help him with that. But I just just got to thinking, you know, you know, he's just really struggling walking. So I turned around, went back, and. You know, and just, just helped him pour the gas into the tank. You know, he had one of those old cars that the tag flipped down, so you got to hold the tag down, and, and, uh, and he was trying to make a funnel out of a, a magazine. So, I mean, he, he needed an extra hand, and, you know, and so I was a little proud of myself that I got to do that. You know, I get home from small group that morning, and I get a phone call that, that uh, somebody, somebody in the church, uh, they needed a jump. You know, their battery was dead, and so I jump in my uh, trooper, and I drive over, and, you know, and, you know, kind of feeling pretty good about myself. Hey, before 12 a.m., I've already done two good deeds for the day. You know, and, and, and I had to kind of hurry because I had to get to the dump that day, and they keep changing the times that the dump is open on Saturday, so I didn't know what time it was going to close. Incidentally, right now it's 2 o'clock, but they told me it was about to change, and if you wanted to know that. So I was in a hurry to get to the dump as well. I get to the dump, and you know, it's kind of strange how you kind of notice some people, you know, in life. And I noticed this guy that was, that was there, and he was driving this big truck, and it was, it was like a company truck, but didn't have any markings on it. And I was kinda, it was kind of interesting that he was there on a Saturday like that, you know, and, uh, you know because it looked like he, it was... A, it was something to do with work, and I just kind of noticed him, and he, he was leaving as, as I was kind of getting there. I was kind of waiting on him to pull out, and so then when I was leaving the dump, as I was coming back down Mary Buckaloo, and, and uh, he was sitting on the side of the road, uh, his truck was, and, and he was looking for something. You know, if it had been a car, uh, you know, he looked like he was looking for his hubcap or something, you know, that kind of a thing. He's, he's kind of looking over in, in the grass and everything, and, and uh, you know, as I was passing him, you know, I kind of looked, and, and I thought, uh, so, well, you know, he's you know, he's a, he's a worker. He's, you know, he knows about his vehicle and all those things. Whatever he's lost, I'm sure he can find it. I thought, you know, he, but, you know, he, he probably could use another set of eyes or whatever. And, you know, here's the last thought that enabled me to just cut ties and just get on down the road is, well, you know what? I've already done two good deeds today. And now I don't really need to stop and do another one today. And I say that in confession and repentance to you today a little bit as well. God, forgive me for thinking that I quoted out on my generosity level. That's not what generosity is. You don't, you don't do enough good deeds to say, I am generous. You know, it's not like there is an amount that makes you generous. You don't even write checks enough to make you generous. Okay, I, I can tell you, I can take you to, I can take you to people that they write huge checks that has nothing to do with generosity. I mean, when you, when, you work in, uh, when you work in ministry circles, and especially like, you know, ecumenical or, 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 or parachurch ministries like First Priority, where I was their state director for a couple of years, you know, and you're out there trying to get people to support, you know, the ministry. Let me tell you, you sometimes you come in contact with big donors, and, and you know, and I've been in guys' offices that were ready to write a $10,000 check just to get me out of their office. I mean, they didn't care, you know, they didn't even want to hear any more of my story. They just wanted to write a $10,000 check to get me out get me out of their office that's not generosity and I know some of you want their names and addresses and I can't share those with you you know that they just want to write a ten thousand dollar check to get rid of you You just want to go bug them no that's not generosity let me show you in the scripture uh, this is where John the Baptist is asked a question and he answers says to them he who has two tunics let him give to him who has none and he who has food let him do likewise 
So the whole, the whole thing is not about, okay, I've written a $10,000 check, it's over. No, it's not about how much you write. It's not about a to-do list. You don't quota out on being generous. Generosity is an attitude, and, and, and it's not about you know, how much you've done. The whole thing is about where is the need. And when you see the need, it doesn't matter if you wrote a $10,000 check this morning, if there's a need, generosity said, I've got to help. It doesn't matter if you help somebody put gas in their car and somebody else jump their car off. Generosity doesn't say, well, I've already done two good deeds. Generosity said, there's somebody else in need. I've got to stop and help. So generosity is not about how much you've done. Generosity is about an attitude of the heart. Generosity is also not just for those people. It's not just required of those people that have a lot of extra disposable income. You know, you've got, you, know, you make more money than you need, so God requires, uh, God requires more of you in that way because, no, Generosity is something that is required of every single one of us. Scripture, let me give it to you right here. In the great trial of affliction, in the abundance of their joy, and the deep poverty abounded. They, this church abounded in the riches of the liberality. Paul was telling a story about a church. That in their great affliction, and, and so in their great affliction, they abounded in their poverty, in their deep poverty, they abounded in their gift, in their riches of their giving. What, what Paul's doing, he, he's talking to us about, is he's saying there is, this church that, uh, that was struggling, the people in this church are struggling. And he didn't say they were struggling financially like you and ours. He said they are in deep poverty. There is no deep poverty sitting in front of me today. You're not wearing the same clothes you've been wearing for two weeks. You ate this morning probably, and you probably had three meals yesterday, or maybe some of you had more than that, and you had way too much. We don't know what deep poverty is, but he says this church, the people of this church were in deep poverty, yet they abounded in their giving. They found a way, even in their deep poverty, to have a generosity attitude. It's not about how much you've got. Everybody can be generous because it's not about money. It's not about an amount. It's not about checking off a to-do list. And then in Mark chapter 12, Jesus uh, called his disciples to himself. And assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who had given to the treasury. And if you might remember this story, for they all put it in, in out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, she put in all that she had of her whole livelihood. Here's what's happening. Jesus and the disciples are standing there. And everybody's coming in and bringing their offerings. And everybody's bringing in big offerings. Yet this little widow comes in drops in two little mites. And Jesus says, she gave more than anybody. We don't understand that. Wait a minute, that's not up here. Generosity is not about an amount. Generosity is about an attitude of the Spirit. He said, because she gave out of her poverty. Everybody else gives out of their abundance and calls it being generous. But Jesus said what is truly generous is the one who gives, not because of how much they've got or how much they've got left, but because of the love that is in their heart. She gave out of the, she gave out of the poverty instead of the abundance. Let me show, you to, show, it to you, show it to you in the early church. In Acts chapter 2, it says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Look what they did. Now this is, this is like, it's like written right after the birth of the church. This was like... This was like in the ensuing days of the early birth of the church. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. People who had property sold their property and, and gave the money out so that, to the people that were in need. A couple of chapters later in Acts chapter 4, this is somewhere down the road, maybe weeks, maybe months on down the road. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. Same thing's happening. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed. The apostles distributed to each, to each as anyone had need. 
what he's saying is they sold everything they had when they had to, and they said, I like how somebody characterized it. I don't remember who said this. I've heard, I heard this years ago, and I, I've used it over and over to characterize this. They, they said, here's the attitude of the early church. We see it in the early days there in Acts chapter 2. We see it in, in the ensuing weeks and months after. And somebody said this. I'm not going to take credit for it, but somebody said, here's the attitude of the early church. is no one was satisfied with having too much as long as anyone didn't have enough. That's the attitude of generosity. That doesn't say, look, I've already given this much. It doesn't say, look, I've already done my two good deeds for the week. But that says, here's a need and I've got to help find some way to meet this need. That's the attitude of generosity. And what we've got to do, what we need to do, what you've got to do as a Christian is you've got to totally divorce yourself from the attitude of this world about finances. Because this world tells you you got to, you know, I've heard it pretty much all of my ministry life is get all you can and can all you get. You know, put it in a can, bury it in the backyard or whatever. Hang on to it. you got to amass big. you got to do, it's got to be about all those things. It's got to be, but it's not about that. It's not, it's not about, and, and, and we've got to get rid of that. We were talking about this just, just Tuesday night in our, in our small group. And our small group's on relationship. We were talking, you know, most, all of the, uh, of, the, uh, of the couples that are attending our small group and our home are, are young couples, and they're dealing with these issues of, of you know, having to keep up with the Jones, you know, ha- uh, having to have the big house that, you know, everybody, you're all, everybody's supposed to have a big house so that everybody else can walk in and say, ooh, ah, you know, it looks real cool. I mean, that's what the world tells us we've got to do. And so we're all running around chasing after all these things that God says, you don't need these things yet. You don't might not ever need these things ever. And, and we're all spending ourselves into bankruptcy to have all the stuff. We need to divorce ourselves from the attitude of this world that says these are the things that are important. And we need to get back to having a heart of generosity. Let me give you seven principles, seven scriptural principles straight from Scripture, about generosity, about giving, that we need to be guided by. And I tell you these because this is, there's a lot of this, that this is the core of who we are as Church 29-11 because it's not about us, okay? Here's some seven scriptural principles. And the first one is, we need an example. God is our example. Our example is not Bill Gates. Our example is not the Donald our example is not even Oprah. Man, Oprah, you get, you, if you got to her show on the right day, you were walking out with a whole lot of stuff. Our example is not even Steve Jobs. Our example is not even Mother Teresa. Our example is not even Billy Graham. Our example is God. And so what example does he set for us? Look right here in Scripture. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What's the example? The example is he gave us his own son. He gave us his own son. And, and, and I've heard people say uh, for many years, you know, that, that God would have bankrupted heaven if that's what it took to rescue your soul from hell, to have a relationship with you. And I've heard other people say, well, he did bankrupt heaven because he took everything heaven had in Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, he took all that and he gave that to us. And if God did that to us, that's our example. Our example is not to figure out how much we can give and get by with. Okay, God's happy now. I've given my $5, whatever it is. Oh, God's happy now. Our our example is not how much can I get by with. God didn't say, okay, how much of Jesus' blood do you need? 
But he spilled every drop of it. He poured it all out. He, he died on Calvary. He gave every last breath for me and you. Every single thing was totally sacred. That's our example for the attitude that our hearts are supposed to have, an attitude of generosity to everybody around us. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, I didn't say this in early service, but I know, I know what some of you are thinking. So, man, if you get that kind of, people are always going to take advantage of you. Yeah, you're going to get taken advantage of every once in a while. Was God ever taken advantage of? Did you ever promise God something so maybe God would do something for you and then you went back on your promise and you weren't really committed to what you said and you, you've just done it for, did you ever take advantage? Yeah, you took advantage of God, but God still gave it and he knew you were going to do that and he still gave his son for you knowing that you would take advantage of him sometimes. And so the, the, the example to us is a total giving of our heart and our spirit in generosity. It's a generous attitude. Second principle. Seek moderation in your finances. Now, this is one I had a hard time getting away from in the first service. Because, you know, we got people all over the spectrum here. You know, we got, we got, you know, we got people that barely have enough. We got people that have too much. We got people in the middle. And let me say, what, what you're seeking for from God is to get in that middle, that moderation. You know, not to have too much and not to have too little. Okay? And let me give you a scripture for it. It's right here. Remove falsehood and lies far from me, the writer of Proverbs says. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me. Okay, don't give me poverty, don't give me riches. Why? Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. He says, God, if you don't give me enough, I might steal. So make sure God help me. Give me my daily bread for my family. Give me all the things that we need. And then he said, but God, if you give me too much, then I'm not going to need you anymore. And so what, so what God is teaching us here is there needs to be moderation in our giving. You've got you to break this whole attitude about what the world says you're supposed to have in your finances. It's not about having a big bank account. It's not about having too much so you can rub somebody else's nose in it. It's saying, God, give me everything I need. Give me some more, too, so I can bless somebody else. We'll get to that in just a second. It's not about having too little. It's not about having too much. It's about having an, it's about it's about that moderation that enables us because once you once you begin amassing too much, then the too much begins amassing you. Once you start gathering too much, it begins gathering you to it. And you don't own it anymore, it begins to own you. Moderation in your giving. I got through that a lot quicker than I did earlier service. Third, opportunities either expose or cure greed. If you have a lack of generosity in your heart, Every opportunity will expose that. Sometimes people will see it, and sometimes you'll just see it yourself. I'll give you a scripture right here. You remember where the rich young ruler came to Jesus and says, What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, looked at him, loved him, said, One thing you lack. There's no, you're doing good. There's only one thing you lack. Go, and, go your way. Sell what you have. Give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come take up the cross and follow me. And the next verse says that the young man went away sorrowfully because he had a lot of stuff. Jesus said, You've done good. Here was a model of what a religious person was supposed to be back in those days because he had kept the commandments from his youth all the way up. But he lacked one thing. He didn't have a generous heart. And when Jesus said, sell what you've got, give it to the poor, come follow me, he couldn't do it because there was greed in here. And your opportunities to do good, your opportunities to share, your opportunities to bless will expose the greed is in your heart or it will cure it. The next time you have that opportunity, you want to just expose, you want to just be embarrassed, 
You want to just feel bad about it, or do you want to cure it? Break the hold. At the next opportunity, I'm going to pray at the end of this sermon, I'm going to pray at the end of this message that God gives you, every single one of you, an opportunity this week to do something for, for somebody. And instead of looking and say, well, you know, I, I've got needs, who's going to help me? You need to say, no, I need to look and see who else. I got to, I've had a lot of people help me. I've had a lot of people bless me. Who can I bless this week? Not, and it's not just financial, but in any way, any way possible. And break that hold that greed I know some of you think, some of you think, I don't have a, greed doesn't have a hold on me. Yeah, it does. You cannot live in this society that we're growing up in. You cannot do it without greed somehow taking a little bit of hold of your heart. You need to break that. Break that. And, and, and the way to do it is the very next opportunity you have, jump on it. Be ready to give, like, like the definition. Be ready to share. Be selfless and say, doesn't matter, I'm taking an hour of my time to stop and change this guy's flat. Doesn't matter. Stop and be ready to give. Uh, number four, I think, yeah. True generosity is not self-seeking. Let me just read this verse, and, these verses and just get through this and real quick. I, uh, just understand this. Take heed you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Some of these guys were actually doing little parades like, hey, I'm bringing a great gift to the synagogue. Jesus said, don't do that. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. But so your charitable deed may be in secret and your father will see in secret himself. He will reward you openly. Do it in secret. In secret. Uh, a generous heart never does. If, if there's something in you that makes you want to tell somebody what a great thing you've done for someone else, that's not generosity. You didn't do it for generosity. And you don't get your reward because you're getting it by bragging to everybody else. A true generous heart does things and doesn't care who knows about it whatsoever. Does it in secret. Because, you, you know, I, I mean, Christmas is coming up and and. and you know, and let, me, let me say this. I didn't get a chance to say this in early service, but I've got to say this right here. Christmas is coming up, and some of you are going to want to help a needy family out there. And you know, if you're not careful, you will want to help this needy family in such a way so that people see you helping them. Or even that needy family sees you helping them, and they know that you're the one that did it. So, you know, they'll, they'll be grateful to you. Do it in secret this year. Do it because if you're not careful, if, if you do it that way, you'll embarrass them, you know, by them seeing that you had to do this for them. You'll embarrass them. You know, maintain the integrity there of allowing them to, to you know, that the, the struggle that they're having, that they can deal with that and not doing it in a way that embarrasses them. Don't, don't, don't make a parade about it. Don't make a big deal about it. I mean, you know, if there's a way for you to give it to another family member, let that family member share it so they don't even know when they're not embarrassed. Do it in such a way so that you can do it in secret and allow, allow God to get the glory. If anybody gets the glory out of it, I mean, where did the money come to buy the stuff that you're going to give the kids? Where did the strength come to work the job to earn the money that you're going to take to buy Christmas to give to those kids in that family? I mean, you know, put, take it all the way back and say, wait a minute, this isn't really coming for me, but it's because my father... Shared with me, and now I'm sharing with you. So, so step out of the equation completely. Generosity is not generosity has has no big eye in the equation whatsoever. Step out of the equation and let somebody just say, "Well, thank you, God, for sending somebody to, to minister to my need this Christmas season." Number five, a focus on eternity. 
Uh, let's read the scripture so I can say this. Uh, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in certain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. You know, there's basically three kinds of people, financially speaking, in this world. There are those who uh, live for today. If they've got enough gas in their car to get to and from work tomorrow and two bucks in their pocket so they can buy a hot dog at lunch, they're, they're good. You know, I was you know, kind of worried that's the way my son was going to be, you know, when he, when he got out on his own. You know, he's just, hey, I'm good, Dad. You know, day after tomorrow, you know, I'll worry about day after tomorrow, tomorrow. You know, just living for today. Thankfully, you know, he grew out of that when he became an adult. Praise God, you know. And he's not asking me for money every, every day. I some days wish he needed a little money so he'd call me a little more often, you know, even if he asked for something, you know. But there are people that are that way. They live for today. You know, not worried about tomorrow yet. And then there are people that they're planning tomorrow. And I don't just mean tomorrow. I mean for their tomorrow. You know, hey, I got to retire in 40 years. I mean, you know, there are people that won't even take their kids. They, they can't take their kids to get a happy meal at McDonald's because in 40 years I got to retire and we got to start, we got to put money back, put money back. And they're, and they're saving and they're working and they're working. All they can think about is the tomorrow, the tomorrow, the tomorrow that is coming. And very few people are living for eternity. Very few people are giving for eternity. There ain't a thing that you are going to amass on this earth that you're going to take with you. When you get to heaven, nobody's going to ask you, what was your bank account when you died? Nobody's going to care about that anymore. You know, how much money did you make? How many corporations did you own? You know, how many, how many bicycle shops, you know, how many bicycles did you repair in your lifetime? You know, wh whatever your job is, nobody's going to care about that. Somebody said this week, uh, you might have heard two weeks ago, my, my um, mother-in-law uh, failed and broke her shoulder, uh, broke her hip and also broke her shoulder. Um, we felt like she'd probably have to go in the nursing home. We found that out to be true. She's going to have to go in the nursing home. Medicaid rules and all these kinds of things. Uh, we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to pay a whole lot of money. And, you know, somebody said this past week, you know, that uh, she's going to die penniless. Well, you know, when, when you kind of put yourself in the government's hands, that's kind of the way some of the things go. You know, and, and, and when David told me that, I said, don't you, don't you let anybody else tell you that. I said, you need to go back and tell that person, your mother is not dying, a poor woman. She is richer than most everybody in this world that we know. She has got so many friends, so many people that love her because of the way she has lived her life. She could pick up the phone, and she's got dozens of people she could call, and they'd be right at her bedside to do anything in this world for her in just a few moments. She is not dying poor. She is dying richer than most everybody else I know. You see, when I get to heaven, nobody's going to even ask. I don't think people are going to ask. I don't think they're going to care how big a church you pastored. Nobody's going to care about that. You know what they're going to ask? They're going to ask me. You know what's going to make me rich when I get to heaven? It's going to be all those people that come up. It's going to be that guy that comes up and says, Hey, you've got to help me pour gas in my gas tank that day. I was really struggling with it that day. You're the guy that took out time in your busy day to help me with this. You're the guy that when everybody else walked by me, the story of the Good Samaritan, I don't have time to tell it to you right now. You're the guy that when everybody else walked by me that day, you're the, one, the only one that stopped. You're the guy that gave. And you didn't think I saw you, but I saw you. I knew you did it. You didn't want me to know, but I knew you did it. That's what's going to make you rich in, in heaven. That's what's going to make you rich for eternity. Quit living for today. Quit living for tomorrow. Live for eternity. Number, uh, what am I on? Six. God's purpose is to raise our, what's the phrase? Our standard of, I didn't get anybody to even say it in the first service. I couldn't hear you in this one. 
It's not our standard of living God is concerned about. It's our standard of giving. Scripture. 2 Corinthians 9, 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the poor will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Oh, oh God, the God who supplies seed to the sower. You ever thought about how God supplies seed to the sower? I mean, you, you ever seen an ear of corn? You put a kernel of corn in the ground and you get a stalk that has all these ears of corn and every ear of corn, you've got dozens. Of, I don't even know how many seeds. That, it is God that supplies that. And so the God that supplies the seed to the sower is also going to supply your harvest. Why? So you can raise your, so you can, uh, raise your standard of living? No. Next verse. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God wants to bless you so you can bless somebody. God wants to share with you so you can share with somebody else. You know, God wants us to be in such a, in such a state that when we are so blessed that we are almost embarrassed to be so blessed. That, oh, I can't keep all this. You know, I, I told that story about my father-in-law at Christmas. Uh, I mean, you know, he, he almost hated, I think he hated opening presents at Christmas. You know, because he would open presents, and if it, was a, if it was a pair of shoes, he and I wore the same size. He had tried to have those shoes on my feet before I walked out the door. If he opened a coat, he'd say, hey, hey this, I think this coat will fit you. He'd try to put it on somebody else. If he opened a shirt, you know, uh, he'd say, he'd tell somebody, hey, I, this shirt, this color looked good on you. He was always, now, I, I got to say, there was one thing that he wouldn't give away. If he opened up something, like a card that just had cash in it, now that went straight into his wallet and back in his pocket, Okay. But it's almost like he was embarrassed for people to give him stuff. That's the way God, God wants us to be. God wants us to be embarrassed that we are so blessed. Man, how can, I, how can I stand here and be so blessed when there are people around me that aren't blessed? That's what God wants. He wants us to have this heart of generosity. And when we get that, then God wants to pour so much into us like this that, that we'll be like that seed just, just multiplying tenfold, twentyfold, fiftyfold, a hundredfold so that God can use us then to bless others. Because there's so many people out there that haven't learned that yet. And he can't bless them yet because they're not learning any principles. And if he ble- but if he'll bless us through them, they'll say, wait a minute, something's going on here. Why in the world? Principle 7 is a question, but there, got, let me give you the answer. Why in the world would anybody want to give? Why would you want to give? I, and i got to say this here. i got to say this here. Last week was about tithing. That's, that's obedience. You've got to give the tithe. You know why? Because God says that belongs to him. Malachi chapter 3. That belongs to him. So if you, you keep it, you're stealing from God. I didn't say that. He did. We are mad at me. He's the one who said, you, you keep the tithe, you're stealing from me. I'm blessing you so you can have a job. And when you get your, tithe, when you get your income, that first, he says the first 10% belongs to me. You hang on to that, you're stealing from him. So you know what that means? That means if you're not giving your tithes, you can't walk in here today and give $5 and say, hey, I gave a gift. No, you didn't because you're holding God's tithes. You see, you can't, you, if you're not a tither, you cannot be a giver because the tithe is what belongs to God in the first place and you cannot give something out of your own heart until you've already given what belongs to God. So if you're, you know, some people don't understand, why in the world would you want to tithe? I, I, you know, whether I want to or not is not the issue. It's obedience. But then you ask the question again, why in the world, once you've tithed, why in the world would anybody want to give? Why would you want to give more than 10%? There's, there's some selfish reasons to do that because God blesses and turns it right back to you. I mean, there's some selfish reasons to do that, but that's not really 
the generosity motivation. You know what it is? It's right here. Let me show it to you in Scripture. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know why people give beyond their tithe? You know why people are obedient in tithing and then they say, I got to give something else because of their heart. People give because of their heart. People tithe because of obedience, but people give because of their heart. If you're not a giver, then you got a little problem with your heart there. Let's work on it. Let me I'll just say this right here. A lot of times when I've preached this way, since we've been here and we launched 2911, or pastoring other churches, I would hold the offering till the end of the service. Sometimes I would hold the offering till the end of the service because we were struggling financially. And I'd say, look, I'm preaching on giving today. Let's hold it at the end. Maybe it'll encourage somebody else to give. But a lot of times I do that because it gives you the opportunity to immediately make an offering and say, I'm going to start doing this. But you know, sometimes we do that. We jump on board with something like that, and we forget it before next week. You don't need to do that. We're not receiving another offering at the close of this. this is not a, that's not what this is about. This is not because the church needs a little bit more money today. That's not what it's about. Let me tell you, uh, my dad, my dad did, uh, looked at this. And, uh, we've talked about this. He, you know, he pastored for many years. Is if, is if everybody in the church tied, you wouldn't even need offerings. Offerings would be the gravy. Offerings would be not just the icing. Offerings would be the cherry on top of the icing on top of the cake. So why would people want it? Because of their heart. I'm encouraging you today to do this because you need, you need a right heart. A heart that says, I want to do something for something. You know, and if you're a member at Church 2911, you need, to, you need to give. You need to pay your tithes, get that obedience thing handled. And you need to give something where your heart is. You got a heart for kids. You don't have to have kids to have a heart for kids. You got a heart for kids. You know, when you write your tithe check, make it, make it for an extra $10 on your tithe envelope. Just mark it. $10 for kids. Got a heart for teenagers today? Can I tell you something? This is a church that ministers to teenagers that don't have parents who are raising them in church. That's, that's what this church, that's what 2911 has always been. If you got a heart for that, from the, you need to start, you know, you need to say, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my money, my treasure where my heart is. That's what generosity will do to you. It'll make you fund the things that you have a heart for. You may look around and say, man, I just love the way we do these event things. I'm, man, uh, doing the water baptism outside, letting the community see, doing, doing a, the, the great pumpkin celebration and just blessing the community, not charging for any single thing we do. I love that. You know, then, then what? fund it. Write a check for it. Do something. Get involved. Give. People give because of their heart. And if, if you don't have something that stirs you, makes you want to give, then check your heart. Ask God to give you a giver's heart. Ask God to, to stir. I was praying this in the closing after I kind of moved back to, in the closing of the first service. I was praying this and I, it just reminded me. I said, God, stir up the generosity. I know we each have a measure of generosity in us because God gave it to us. Pray that God stirs it up again. Stand with me. Let's come to the front. Let's close right here this morning, if you will. Will everyone please join me? Come on. We'll close. I'm going to step on in a little bit. Step on in, if you will, so we get everybody out of the, out of the aisles. We want everybody to join us in the front, not just in the aisles.
Oh, man. I'm going to tell you one, one little story and close right here. Um, and this is, this is like a parable. It's a story. It's you know, not a true story. It's a, like a parable, just a, uh, something with a moral to it. It was a, a wise woman who enjoyed walking in the woods. She was in the mountains one day, and she saw a stream. She went over to see the stream. She looked down. Something caught her eye. She went down into the water, and there was a precious stone there, a, a, a gem that was valuable. And so she picked it up and looked at it, and she put it in her bag. The next day, she met another traveler who was hungry. So she opened her bag and was going to share her lunch with this traveler. The traveler saw the precious gem in her bag, and he asked for it. Without hesitation, she pulled it out and handed it to him and let him have it. He left ecstatic. He knew it was worth a lot of money. He knew that he could easily sell it, and he could live the rest of his life, a good life. But a few days later, he came back to find the woman, and he gave her the precious stone. He said, I know this stone is worth a whole lot of money. I know it's very valuable. He said, but I give it back to you today because I want something more valuable than this stone. I want you to give me what is in your heart that may you give me the stone. That's what churches do. Remember that last definition of generosity? Fertility. Being prolific. Reproducing. You might call me this week and say, Pastor, we're struggling. Power's going to be turned off this week. Pastor, we're struggling. I, I don't have baby food to get through the week. I, we don't have groceries. We're not going to have Thanksgiving this year. We just don't have it. Let me tell you something. The church has done this before. We'll do it again. I hope we do it a whole lot. Whatever it takes. We, a lot of times we, we've gone to turn people's power back on. Or we've gone, bought a gift card. Hey, take the family to Ryan's for Thanksgiving meal this year. Or we've gone to the grocery store, picked up a whole bunch of groceries and taken the bags right to them. Say, here, God bless you. God bless you. And give that to them. And you know what the hope is? The hope is not that you just get your power on for a couple of weeks. The hope is not that you just have something to eat that night. You know what the hope is? The hope is that you start wanting not just the precious stone, but you want the attitude in a church that's willing to say, yeah, here, let's give it to you. Oh, man, and bless so many people around here. And let me tell you something. You're going to get taken advantage of. All of them's not going to turn out. And you might have to give away a hundred more precious stones before you run into that next person that finally says, oh, I don't want this, this. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not so concerned about what's in your grocery bag. I want what's in your heart. You know what? Like I said, you might have to give away 100 stones or 100 bags of groceries before that ever happens. But go ahead and do it. Because all those other 99 grocery bags that you have to give away before you finally get to that last person, when that last person gets it and says, oh, give me this same generosity heart, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. And I'm praying today, I'm praying today that God gives you a heart of generosity. Quit letting a rat race destroy you every single thing of your life. Quit letting it just run, you run, you run, you run, you run, you settle down, slow down. I had to take my own advice this past week. I had to take one of those, I had to actually took two of those days, a one and a half.
sick and I had to take one just to get better. And I had just one, just me and my wife. We just had to take those, slow down, and start being generous in places around you. Break the grip that greed has on you. Jamie's going to lead us.